0: This is a Culture Inject production. Hello, hello. Welcome back. And this is a big welcome back because we've been away for a while. Uh, As always, I'm Laura and today I'm joined by...
1: Uh, you are joined by me, and I am Chirag.
2: And me, I am Jason.
1: Oh, Jason, Yay. what's up?
2: <laughs> oh, you know, this and that, just enjoying the heat in Canada. How's the, how's the weather where y'all are? Well,
1: I'm in Texas, so not, wow. not very hot, you know? I <laughs> mean, <laughs> it's pretty cool down here.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
2: That doesn't sound right. Where where in Texas are you? Austin. Okay, I've got a friend who lives in Harlingen. It's like down close to the Mexican border. Oh, cool. Oh, wait, and another friend in San Antonio. A couple model-making friends.
1: Nice, nice. And how about you, Laura?
2: How's uh, how's things in the UK?
0: Yeah, I'm in very, very sunny England. It's been a really nice day, although it's been really windy recently. So, other than that, the weather's great. (laughs) But um, basically, as always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at HBO The Nevers. You can find us on Twitter at HBO The Nevers and at The Nevers Podcast without the A. Uh, if you've got any ideas, comments or questions, then you can email them to us at Neverspodcast at gmail.com. And of course, if you like what you hear, it would be great if you could leave us a rating and review. But it has been a really long time since we've seen each other, so we thought that we'd drop in and kind of try and figure out what's going on with The Nevers and, you know, when it's coming back because, yeah, we also have an, a, a nice little project to uh, to announce that's coming up in the future. But yeah, so other than um, what's happening with the weather, has anyone been up to anything super exciting since we last chatted, which was for the Serenity Serenity conversation That's after true. our Firefly retrospective way back in February?
1: Yeah, we assembled like the Avengers to talk about <laughs> Serenity. We really had we like did, a summit. Didn't. It was fun.
2: It was. It was. Good, good, good talking to you all about it.
1: What's going, on, what's going on with you?
2: Not much. Uh, you know, how it is. Work is... Work takes up most of the time, and then um, I've actually been focusing more on, on model building uh, lately, kind of building that up because it's it's uh, it's a thing that I, I go and come back to every now and again. Like, I I do a bunch, so I'm like, oh, I'm kind of tired of this, I'm gonna go work on something else, but yeah, I've been focusing on uh, on that and uh, getting pretty uh, pretty good uh, results on TikTok with it.
1: Cool, is that so? Like, models of what exactly? What are they representing?
2: Uh, well, mostly mostly sci fi. I mean, I think you can like. I don't know I'm going to say this since we're we're doing a podcast not video but I think you can see the enterprise above my shoulder there. Um so mostly mostly sci-fi but uh, getting into cars and tanks and planes and ships things where I can you know uh, really do other model making techniques like weathering and and chipping and just just making things look look used and real.
1: Cool. That sounds like a fun tactile activity.
2: It is. It is meditative, actually. It's because uh, you can kind of get get in, just get kind of honed in on it, and right, yeah, cool. How about?
1: Well, the... for me, yeah, I've been doing, I've been doing a lot uh, more, a lot more cerebral activity. Mm-hmm. You know, just a lot of things happening in my head. I'm like Professor Xavier. I'm just <laughs> sitting in a chair and just thinking about the world for eight hours a day, and. You know, getting getting get, getting really into writing. I'm writing a lot. Oh, and that's, that's really good. really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I made some friends over here at UT Austin, and they're making films. Oh, that's so, so, sort of like you do, short films and stuff. So, you know, I'm kind of just for fun getting involved with that and dipping my toe in that okay. hot spring to see what that oh, feels good. like.
2: Good. It, it it's enjoyable, especially when you when you when you're with a group that that really wants to be doing it. Yeah. Although, although yeah. Laura's the professional among us. Oh
0: yeah. Ha. <laughs> professional actor. <laughs> like <the quotations. laughs> With like my quotations because yeah. Um, do you know what I've? Uh, what have I been up to? Uh, a lot of music stuff, and then I've done one film job on um, Sam Mendes' new film. Nice. Which is just like uh, an eighties romance type thing but it was a really good uh, it was like a whole week that was a really good. good job so that was fun um i forgot about that until you <laughs> mentioned my serious career as an actor uh <laughs> yeah i don't know i've just been kind of obviously just doing like regular work and stuff but also i've been trying to take time every week to kind of go somewhere new or like mm-hmm. do something that i haven't done or you know just go places well, oh, and where we're in i mean explore the world you, know, if
2: you don't want to publish this like i guess approximately where in the uk are you like are you like a Londoner or?
0: So I'm I'm based in Essex, so just outside of London, which is the sweet spot. Yeah, it's good. I kind of live like a perfect distance from the city, the sea, mm-hmm. just kind of in a little town. And so everything's close enough to visit, but not so close that it, you know, ruins being in a nice little town out of the way.
1: Have you guys ever read that Neil Gaiman book, Neverwhere, by chance?
2: I haven't.
0: No. Okay,
1: well, I read that book, the entire conceit of the book is that there's London, and then underneath, there's an underground London, where it's kind of like the Stranger Things thing, where there's an upside down world, Okay. Um, where everything is kind of like mythical and scary and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it like, I didn't know anything about London. So when I was reading the book, there's this big thing about like Mind the Gap, and like all these things, these iconic, right. like, I don't know, like, Uh, like representations of what London is that were were in the book, the reference for Londoners. And then when I went to London for the first time, it felt like I was in a fantasy land because I was such a big fan (laughs) of that book. I was like, oh, mind the gap. Oh, my gosh. Like from the book.
0: (laughs) Sometimes it's a really big gap. Like sometimes they like, mind the gap and there's no gap because the train line's right up. And then in some stations, or depending on where the train's pulled into, the gap is like absolutely huge. Yeah. And you could literally just fall down it. So yeah, really mind the gap.
1: <laughs> Definitely. But there's
0: some stations now that have like the glass, an extra set of glass doors. Um, so you can't fall in onto the train tracks. Because when you're waiting for a train and it's really busy in the morning, everybody's like mm. pushing up and you're like standing right near the edge and you kind of don't want to be there but if you're not right on the edge you're not going to get on the next train and you're not going to get to work so the glass doors uh, is a really good idea to just so that the train pulls in and then they open so you can push right up to the glass doors without fear of death and then get on your train um yeah they should put them in every in every station so as we were saying we wanted to give our subscribers some new content to listen to because we've been away for so long um since our retrospective firefly and our serenity discussion uh and we want to basically come back and discuss the nevers so here's what we do know at the minute so as you're saying like they're working on it hard at the minute chura would you like to tell us something about what's happening
1: you know what laura i would love (laughs) to tell you something what so apparently there is a new show show showrunner named philippa Gaslet. do you know who she is are you familiar with, with what she's worked on
2: uh, I, I am not. I actually went to her IMDb and uh, it it seemed pretty sparse, and I did Nothing really jumped out at me.
0: Yeah, I did the same. I've not seen anything that um that she's but worked feel, on. But I
2: feel like the, the, the name sounds familiar, though. Like there's nothing in her IMDb, but I'm sure I've have heard that name before.
1: So do you guys feel like her anonymity to you is a good thing or a bad thing?
0: Probably good.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's no there's there's nothing to to make any unfair unfair judgments on. Like, there's, there's, there's literally no data to, to say, like, oh, well, this person always made mm. this kind of show, so who are they to, to do this?
0: Also, I think with, like, there's so much TV around, a lot of the time, like, there are so many directors and producers of TV shows, like, other than Joss Whedon and maybe a couple of others, like, I don't, when I think about a TV show, I don't necessarily, like, that's my first thing that I pin onto about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure a lot of people don't, don't often pay that much attention to the directors and the writers which is you know unfortunate because they're the ones making the show but
1: (laughs) I actually tend I actually do tend to do that but I I would say like the thing that I'm glad about is I'm just happy it's not like JJ Abrams or something not that I don't like JJ Abrams but (laughs) I just I I the thing that I like about TV and movies is like when I'm watching it I feel like I'm I I can see the person in it like there's a human right. being who's saying something that they care about or expressing something about the world and you know that's why like Transformers movies they don't I can't feel Michael Bay in that you know so I don't know what he's about <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know so mm. explosions. So, like,
0: I was gonna <laughs> say explosions yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is Michael Bay
1: but I'm glad she's she's like she's clearly somebody who hasn't had an opportunity yet to break big, so she's worked on small mm-hmm. stuff, which means she's probably artisanal, maybe mm-hmm. you know, a good craftsman, uh, probably a meritocracy kind of thing. Yeah. Like she deserved it, and it was it wasn't like a connections thing. I don't know.
2: It's a, it's a, it's exciting wondering what's coming next. We've been waiting for like, what a year now.
0: Mm. Ten years. <laughs> no, it has been like a year, hasn't it? Wasn't it April it came out last? So yeah, yeah it's I, been a while. Because uh, I, I
2: found it because we have in Canada the, we have HBO through a, another another provider, and it must have they must have just aired their like post of the last episode when I when I found it. So yeah, it would have been about like May for me. And you guys were talking about it for months before it came out.
0: Yeah, I think it came out in America, and then England got it like two or three weeks. I it might have been two or three mm-hmm. weeks after, but, but yeah, through Sky. Yeah. But, um, we got it first. But yeah. And a
2: and little aside, I, I listened. Cool. I said, uh, as soon as I finished watching the show, I listened to you guys to talk about the first six episodes while I, was, <laughs> while I was starting my new job and doing flooring. And I'm like, I like those guys. They're very smart.
1: Nice. <laughs> so cool. I, I, I'm happy
2: to be in this company.
1: You know, I thought the same thing about you when I was talking about it. You know, there's a guy in Canada doing some flooring and he's probably a cool guy. <laughs> He's listening to me right now. <laughs> oh, you know, we actually got the first six, no, the first four episodes before everybody, like with the journalists. Right, yeah. They get out the good word about something. We got the first four episodes of like a sneak peek. We got some screeners. And, uh, yeah, we got screeners. That's what they're called. Yeah.
0: So uh, prior to the airing of season 180, Justin and his writers had written the entire season, which was uh, 10 episodes. However, now Philip has come in. Uh, she and her team wrote, Completely new scripts, six of them, which brings up the total count to 12. So, what are our thoughts on that? Like, do we think that she threw out Jossie's scripts and why, like, why do you think the episode count went from 10 to 12? And, like, is that going to be a good or a bad thing in the balance of like part one and part two? Do you think?
1: I don't think that's indicative of quality. I I think that's just a fluid process. Sometimes it, it, expands or contracts it's just the nature of shooting schedules or you know how much script you can fit into one episode and how many episodes there are i'm actually glad that there's more episodes so it doesn't feel like there's too much shoved in Mm -hmm. like you see sometimes with these disney plus shows where everything is happening in the first episode (laughs) and it's over like tomorrow
2: um I, i do i do think that the the episode expansion is also partly due to the delay between seasons so okay, we're just, okay, we got a we got right. a first half. Okay, well let's make a second half. Mm-hmm. And since yeah. we have the no. time, because they're in an interesting position, they've had a chance to to get all the data like that you know producers get from and 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 fan feedback and and what people are saying. So they can they've actually been able to alter the second half of the season on the fly. Which is an opportunity not many people get. You kind of you kinda of guess at it, but there's been so much lead time that you can kind of see what's really sit down and assess what worked and what didn't work. Now I think I, I think almost everything worked in the first half of the season.
0: Yeah, it's good. I, I like I mean for me, things like English TV shows are generous genuinely generally sorry, getting all my wrong words, generally six episodes long. So, like having a six-episode series, like it makes part one of of this series feel like its own series. Yes, it does already, and it rounded off really nicely at a point where it was kind of like we'd learned kind of just the right amount of information, but we still got cliffhangers and everything's like really happening. And now it's like been the length of time that you would wait from one season to another season. So it's like weird that it's like season one, part one, and then part two, when it almost feels just like two seasons. But if that means that after this, we're going to get a season two and it will have just like 12 straight episodes because they're not going to be interrupted with like director issues or mm-hmm. COVID and everything, you know, it would just be like, hey, we can just film our TV show with like nothing going on. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so 12 episodes feels good because it is like a first half, second half. Yeah, the four episodes might have felt rushed. I mean, they might have done like the last episode longer or like expanded the run times.
1: So how closely do you think Philippa is going to stick to Joss's vision for the series?
2: I think I, I think close. I mean I, I, I think there'll be a bit more um, but I do feel like the the existing scripts would have at least provided a, a foundation for everything moving forward.
0: I was like trying to look on the internet and find out like, you know release mm-hmm. dates and information and everything, and it's kind of like tricky. There's like it's just almost like the show doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Like when you look at it on the internet, it's like, the nevers, what? But yeah, I don't know. I I like, like you mentioned, I feel like if the scripts that were in existence already, I would imagine would have been really strong, hopefully, following on from the first part of the season. So if anything, because she's had the unfortunate, like, hold up of COVID and all of that, that has given her more time, I guess, to Mm -hmm. add to this show. And expand upon it a little bit. I feel like, as long as she's, uh, as long as it's following kind of, hopefully a general story arc and whatever was gonna happen in the main story, I feel like I'll be happy with whatever's put out as long as it follows mm-hmm. the flow of what's already been put out because we really love that. So be um, like, like the wor- worst case scenario is that we come back for part two, and the whole vibe is just completely mm-hmm. different. But. I, I doubt that's gonna happen because like the the cast and the crew seem to have everything like solidly down.
1: I vehemently disagree with both of you, okay. <laughs> I feel like I want the vibe to be I love the first half you know I love the first half. I think we talked mm-hmm. about it for what like thirty hours, <laughs> but I feel like. It would be, so let's say that she's in charge, Philippa's in charge. Mm. I don't think that I would want to see a show where she's in charge, but she's telling us like somebody else's version of the story or she's just like slavishly serving something that's not hers. So I I want to see, this is with anything really, I want to see the person who's making it make it about themselves in a way. Otherwise I feel like it's not I it's not genuine. It's not authentic if it's not that. So I think the vibe has to change. I think things have to be different for the second half. And if they're not, I think that could jeopardize the existence of the show. If she doesn't make it hers and she just tries to recreate what Joss did, and he's a very unique guy, so you can't try to copy him. Mm. Only he can do what he does. That's my feeling about it.
0: Yeah, you want to get her voice and her take on this exactly. Already existing story.
2: Let me revise my earlier statement to to this. The look <laughs> of the show won't change because it's already established the crew crews working to work together for, for half a season. Well, I guess a whole season now. The actors know their characters, so they'll portray them as they portray them. I, I think it's gonna come down to, to messaging themes and subtext. And and getting that and and getting, and I think that I, I think that's where you'll where you'll where you'll get 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 the Philippa. So it may fundamentally mm-hmm. look structurally look the same, but um, the uh, the underlyingness will be different. Mm.
1: Yeah, it could
0: be. Yeah, I think what Chirag said about um, you know not just wanting someone that's kind of making a just mm-hmm. copy. Um, kind of flows into our next point, which is that Joss is still serving as an executive producer, and presumably he's consulted on the second half of the season and given notes on anything that, like, maybe he didn't like. So I guess, Chirag, would you like if you think that they've still worked together on things and it become and it is still Jossy, like, you'd be fine with that, or do you think that she maybe mm-hmm. has put a print on this a lot stronger and well not. Not maybe taking on too many notes from Josh. Josh.
1: Well, I think that the uh, the saga of creative tension is very long, <laughs> especially you, you know we've seen we've seen it happen. Too many cooks in the kitchen. One person who has strong ideas and another person who has different ideas, and those ideas not mixing, and the cohesiveness kind of breaking apart or something. We've seen that happen so many <laughs> times. So, I think that it should be a situation similar to, I guess, the best example I can come up with is, like, George Lucas's involvement with Star Wars. Like, he still comes mm. to set and he has a coffee and he <laughs> takes pictures with a, the with a grip or whatever. But he's not, <laughs> like, in charge of who luke skywalker's daughter is or mm-hmm. whatever's happening in star wars right he's just kind of like there to support and if you have any questions about star wars or mm-hmm. whatever the intention of this was or that was you can ask him but he's not creatively responsible for what's happening i think there has to be one cohesive maybe auteur is the wrong word but i think there has to be one person who knows what they're doing i don't mm-hmm. think democracy works when it comes to creating something. Uh, distinguishable from the muck of uh, media,
2: you never know whether you're going to get a second season. So it's possible they extended it to tell a more complete story, just in case. While leaving while leaving mm. threads mm-hmm. there for a second season, if HBO does does continue to go through with it, but I feel like I feel like they will because once again, if the numbers weren't there after this much time, they could have just canned the whole thing. Instead of yeah. going to all the effort of putting on putting on pause, what, twice or just the once, and then going through new staffing, new writing, it, it feels like HBO is, is, is in support of the program. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think with – I know on things like Netflix, things seem to get cancelled really quickly, but now that things aren't just on TV – and like I say, like, we've got Now TV in England to watch Sky TV shows, so I can go on any time and watch. Like, people can go on there now and just go, oh, look, The i mm-hmm. have not watched that. I'm bored. Let's put it on. Like, it's going to constantly get new viewers before the second half yeah. of the season comes. Um, I think it's silly. And in the grand scheme of things, with how much money these these TV sh- uh, mm-hmm. companies have, like, to access a show that has even, like, the small possibility of going on to be a really long-running good thing when they have so many shows like it's kind of like you know why axe that and then try something new when you can just push Mm -hmm. that a little further but um yeah it would be good if we get again like another ending where it's you've got your answers but there's still Mm -hmm. a cliffhanger or something where the show can go on but it'd be nice to have some kind of you know a nice Mm -hmm. finish just in case yeah I feel like they may have done the, um, that. And if they're moving
2: forward, if if they if they follow, like I mean, I said if they follow story structure, of course they're gonna follow story structure. You're gonna see the because basically we broke in the middle midpoint of the season, so the second half now is gonna be all much more active. The the protagonists, our heroes, are gonna be much more active. because like, the the first you know one or two episodes is all set up, and then the next three or four is is them they're reacting to what they're experiencing they don't have all the skill they don't have all the knowledge yet to to take the fight to to the bad guy whatever the case may be now that we cross the midpoint and they have new information they can be much more active so i think it's going to be a much more in a much more interesting second half
1: well don't you think that if they are following story structure just formulaically you would need to end up in the future at the very end Back where you started, if you're the main character. At some point, you need to yeah. go back to the future. It, like Bernie well, McFly. Yeah,
2: it it it, depen- it depends because if, if if one of my theories holds true, feel free to read my articles on HBOThenivers.com
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: That uh, let's say if true went back to the future, well she's gonna be deposited into a different body because her body at the be the body that we saw at the end of episode six is dead. So she's gotten she's got nothing to yeah. get no no body to go back to
1: no i'm saying it like an actual situation of time travel not necessarily the consciousness travel that we saw but them getting in like penance's time machine and going to the
2: future oh
0: and actually traveling
2: (laughs) yeah maybe Uh,
0: yeah i
1: don't know it's it's hard to say you know i i'm i'm already gonna call myself wrong i'm I'm gonna call myself wrong already because I think the thing, the important thing that you were saying about, you know, the Victorian era being a good representation of where we are today mm-hmm. as like a, a transformational mm-hmm. time of these disempowered people getting empowered literally by superpowers, and you know, the 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 harbinger of war, World War One, World War Two, Civil War, you know, division, polarity, all these things happening, and. Can the introduction of the spores change that future? Mm. So maybe, maybe it's more productive to stay mm-hmm. stay in the Victorian
0: era. Yeah, I'd prefer to see them doing whatever they're doing now, and that just is changing the future. They don't need to mm-hmm. go to the future; they're just making a better future because the Galanthia seen what happened. Yeah, because <laughs> I was like, well, that didn't work. Better try something when they, else. <laughs> when
2: True got her, uh, when we saw some of True's memories, uh, when she found the the Galanthi sphere in episode six, we do the flashback to when she's telling Penance about it. And Penance says, too bad. We'll never know if it works. So I think that's, I think that's telling of where the show is going, that we may not, we may only do time jumps just to provide context for true. Mm. Um, But yeah.
1: Myrtle's in the future though. I know I think, that's if right. I yeah. I, I'm i a bit rusty.
2: Okay. You know, my theory is that, that uh, Swan is, um, Biner, and that I believe the Galanthi took everyone who is still alive at the end of at the end of future segment in episode six, including the guy who betrayed them because he's still alive. We didn't see him die. We saw him get saw, shot in the shoulder. I think that guy's the uh, the bigger king. He's got those crazy eyes. Okay, so because the the argument the pushback I've got when I when I put that theory out right there is like, yeah, but but True doesn't remember her past. You're right. She didn't remember the past of Amalia until she found the Galanthi Sphere, and she got all that... She saw parts of Amalia's life before she committed suicide. I believe that, that the, Galanthi, so the Galanthi controls the spores. I believe that... We'll just use Hugo as an example. I believe Hugo is Biner, and he has his memories of, of Hugo as he existed before he drowned, and then Biner got got dumped into him. True did not get those memories yet because she wasn't ready to deal with that aspect while she was fixing herself and getting getting on track becoming becoming the her new new self. Um Hugo
1: is weirdly progressive just in terms of how, <laughs> you know, openly sexual he mm-hmm. is in a Victorian age. Yeah. It is very modern day. Yeah.
2: Behavior. there's There's a lot of things and the something like his little his little um,
1: Fairy ferryman coin. the ferryman Ferry. coin ferryman. ferryman. Um, ferryman. It, it just
2: for whatever reason, I could be way up and it reminds me of the little thing he put on his good to to use the hmm. the thing he puts on his on his temples so he can go into the sex program. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we can then segue very naturally into a conversation about producer director Andrew Bernstein who has also worked on The Outsider and Foundation broadcasted on Apple TV Plus as well as Ozark who has joined as a producer and director. So what are your very controversial thoughts on that?
0: Um much like with Philippa Roslett, I don't have any real previous knowledge of this person mm-hmm. um, like I looked and the only shows I've watched where he's been a director for some of the episodes but only for like 4 or 5 episodes in each was Elementary and then House so I mean <laughs> those are two shows that I love um, but these other shows uh, Outsider Foundation I've not watched those have you guys seen seen them?
2: Uh, I haven't seen Foundation yeah. but yeah a number of the shows that he's he's spent time directing on I have watched and enjoyed so I am, I am confident with this person's skill to to come in and 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 help expand this universe. Be, just because, be, be because of, of the wide variety of genres that he's 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 worked in. Because I mean it's one of the things like you know like uh the nevers is a it's a sci-fi show but it's also a period show and it's also, you know, it it's it's not like it's guess pri- primarily sci-fi but it's it's multiple genres. And and I think that that background is going to going to pay off. Sharog, what do you think?
1: Oh yeah, I agree with you guys. d I, I've I, I mean I haven't <laughs> seen anything he's done, but I you know, s you've since you've endorsed him from having seen his stuff. I I trust that, and you're willing to stake your reputation on him being a good director.
2: The well so just an example of the shows that he's done that I've watched. I can't I can't remember specific episodes, but Pan Am House, Jack Ryan and Mad Men Psych, which seems like an outlier in in, in this, uh, The Americans, Manhattan so a number of HBO shows, like Psych, is just a was just like a silly Sky and not Sky, whatever the whatever the like the American network, like just a silly show ran for like seven seasons, but it it it's an outlier compared to a lot of the other stuff he's done. So yeah, he's he's got a broad, very broad, broad experience. Okay.
1: He seems like a prestige director. Mm-hmm. He seems like he knows where to mm-hmm. put the camera, and mm-hmm. I think that's all you really need for a director on TV. Yeah, they don't really have they're not the same as directors in film.
2: Exactly because yeah a, t- a TV director comes in there they're they're working within a structure that already exists. So they can they can bring some of themselves to it but but fundamentally you're beholden to the the producers and the production staff.
0: The biggest question for us is when we're going to get part 2 of this series. And I mean like I said trawling the internet our, our best answer for our listeners is that we don't have a clue. Um like we're thinking, it's it's definitely going to be this year, but beyond that, we don't have a date. Uh, I feel like um, there was some like there was some secret info that said it might be around July, and then you know that's kind of it, we're getting nearer and nearer. And I'm like, we haven't had a trailer. There's been no information on the internet. There's been nothing. And uh, maybe it he, we might get it in the summer, but again, I feel like even if we was going to get it in August. We'd have some little snippets of information. So, but you know, whether we get in the summer or the fall,
2: my my feeling, and I'll, uh, I'm gonna say fall, like you know, when all the other shows would kind of naturally start, only because um, Amy, mm. I can't believe. I'm gonna, anyway, the actor who the actor who plays Malady, she did a po- Instagram post where she was recording ADR. So, okay, that tells me that that their their edits are basically locked down for a number of episodes. Now that 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 still leaves, you know, fine tuning, color grading, special effects, music, etc., but they're at a point where they can safely redub audio. So it tells me they're they're fairly long in the editing process, but obviously not not done yet. So I think it's conceivable that we could we could see something in, in, in like September slash fall.
0: I feel I feel like September yeah like early fall would be the latest to mm. kind of risk releasing it because it's been such a long time that'll be yeah. over a year since we got the the first part. Yeah, like if you're trying to sell us that this is one series and not actually two series mm. then it's kind of strange to have that big gap even you know I don't know. I feel yeah, I feel like they're going to they're going to get it us as quick as they can but they've not until they have a solid solid image in their mind they're not going to release any like mm-hmm. um, trailers or snippets or teasers but to be fair like for the first series we only got kind of like the one I think we got like the teaser trailer and then we got a trailer I'm trying to think of how like far before how, like how close it was to the show maybe only now like a month guys, or so, you think. guys
2: once again were on this long before I was but I feel like there was not a huge marketing campaign leading up to it like not like definitely no. not like uh, like Lovecraft Country there was a lot of marketing for that
0: yeah. So basically we were going to do a Twitch stream and do basically a live rewatch of the Nevers, which will kind of fill our time from now till the new series and not only allow us to rewatch it and get super psyched again for the return, but to delve in deeper. Um, so yeah, we're going to do a live stream on Twitch. And what we'll be able to do is I think we've kind of decided we're going to do one episode per week. We're gonna do like three weeks in a row, and then we'll take a little break of a week or two, and then we'll come back for three weeks. So it should hopefully take us up to whenever the nevers is coming that would back. Be, that would be ideal. Um, <laughs> and each episode, yeah, each stream will be us watching the episode live, um <laughs> which you'll have to, <laughs> <laughs> on the viewer side, watch it on a screen yeah. in your house because we can't show the episode because you know we'll get yeah. Uh, it, it, so it, it's almost
2: <laughs> more like a commentary.
0: Yeah, basically. So we'll be watching mm-hmm. it and you'll, you'll get to see our lovely faces, uh, mm-hmm. as we watch it, <laughs> but you won't be able to see the show itself. You'll be watching that on your end and we'll all be like, is mm-hmm. everybody ready to click play in three, two, one? And, uh, yeah, so we can discuss the show and mm-hmm. take questions as we're watching it. And also once it finishes, we can have a bigger discussion at the end. So it'll be, it, yeah, it'll be nice because a lot of the time, you know, mm-hmm. you really think about things in the moment when you're watching it. And then even by the time you get, you know, your pen and paper to write a note, you like it's like yeah. gone from your head. So it'd be nice to have a live watch with people and they can come and chat with us whilst we're watching it.
2: Uh, yeah, because when, when Laurel and I were bouncing the idea back and forth, we were thinking like, yeah, we can do, we can like go, go for broke, do three episodes at a time or like two episodes. And then we're kind of like, well, maybe because we can do we can a uh, viewing and then we can discuss during and then spend some time afterwards. And it, it just, it's a bit more digestible. Yeah. That way.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely better, because um, I think our listeners know how long we can go on for about things. <laughs> Moving on. But yeah, basically, we'll, we, it'll be on Twitch for sure, and then possibly on YouTube or whatever as well. But we can also record mm-hmm. it.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, because yeah, you're right, we can we can save it, and then we can, we can pop it on the, uh, the, U- the Never's YouTube channel, right? And then people can always...
0: Yeah, it's nice to have it on YouTube, like to record it and put it on YouTube, not live, because not everybody can get around at the same time. So it's like it's good, obviously, to have live viewers so you can discuss as you're watching it. But also, not everybody um, will be able to see it live. Speaking
2: of, are you still streaming your, your gaming?
0: Yeah, I haven't done so much recently. I've done a couple streams with um, with Tig, just discussing like random stuff like Kenobi and TV shows. Um, but uh, okay. yeah, gaming wise, yeah, I'm still doing it, just not like regularly. I was kind of doing it regularly every Wednesday or Tuesday and then like on a Sunday I'd like get my mates together to have like a big game session but you know life. <laughs> I, will, I will now read a letter. So we have an email from Stephanie. Um... Yeah, this has got many points in it, so what we'll do is I'll read the intro and then we'll kind of go point by point. So, Dear Laura and team, I have been re-listening to your podcast about each episode of The Nevers. They still remain insightful. I think you should go back and listen to them to hear how you were able to predict uh, many of the things that happened in the show even before you saw the next episode. I'm impressed. However, as I think back to the episodes, there are some things I have questions about. I hope you can give me some insights into what they mean or might mean. My questions aren't in any particular order. So, uh, point number one I do not understand about the bomb materials and the work stoppage in which Lord Masson played a role what was this all about how did it move or provide clues to what is happening with the touched how does it pertain to the storyline why were there rocks at the warehouse why were there weapons and who moved the weapons if they were ever in that building so yeah just uh, this point's just pertaining to yeah the whole Masson uh, fiasco and obviously Oh, you know, there was a spy in our midst, and it all kind of played into that. You guys got any insights?
2: Uh, okay, well, ba- okay, well, it's, it's all setups and payoffs. Because we had to show the factory first, and the strike. Because we had to know that Masson is involved in warmongering, and he's involved in strike breaking, because labor is... Labor rights are a theme in the show, okay? So... We need to know that the, the bomb warehouse existed in the first place, because that's where the trap is set. So we need a setup to set up that it exists to set the trap there. And the trap was set to I didn't get a chance to rewatch it this week, so maybe you guys can can correct me on this. Lucy brought them there because they were meant to trap true and, and whatever other touched were there, right? And that's why there were rocks in the thing, because it it was a setup. And then, of course, you know, they have the fight with Lucy, where we we learn something. Just because she touches something doesn't mean it explodes, because we watch her. We watched her. They did a cutaway showing her grabbing a crate to get up, and that's a little tiny hint that the, that they can control their powers. Just a little little, little one. That's a, that's an aside. So finding out that Lucy is a turncoat, sending her away, but also using her to find out where the real bomb factory is so that True and Team can be like, screw you, Masson, you tried to trap us, now we're going to blow up your bomb factory.
0: Yeah, just kind of like um, that scene that you're seeing, you're you're thinking, uh, like with the bombs and the workers, yeah, this is just like setting up, you know, Masson's a dick and this is like how the world is and, you know, everything's weapons and power and money and... um, but then, obviously, it plays perfectly into the trap with uh, with Lucy, and because the because Lucy is working with Mason when they've come up with their plan to go there and blow up the factory. Of course, she's told him, and they've got rid of all the weapons and replaced them with rocks. So, yeah, just uh, but again, like we were saying earlier about how well thought out this TV show is. Like when you see that original scene, you don't like. I don't know. In most things, you think, oh, that's going to come back later. Like, they're showing this for a reason. But, yeah, it's nice to have a good a good payoff.
2: This show is so good at setups and payoffs, and it's often subtle. They use cutaways to, to a mm. ridiculously effective degree. Because it's that whole thing. You might not have si- yeah. seen it, but your brain did.
1: Do you guys remember when uh, this was a long time ago? When Lavinia, she she was rolling into the underground factory thing, and she was like, "This means war or something like that." Oh
2: yeah, yeah. It was it was later on when she's like, "No, there's no 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 hope of a cure." Yeah, yeah. She used the Did word she? war. Oh, my God, uh, watch out for and, that again.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm trustworthy. I promise you. She said war, and what was what was? I think what that is is a harbinger they're setting up a big Mm. conflict. And I think what it is, obviously we see in the future, there's a big war between the, the free lifers and the PDC. PDC. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a big war in the future. There is a big apocalyptic thing, but I think what we're, we're seeing the seeds of that being sown in the present or in the Victorian age. And then the whole journey of the show is Introduce these people who can walk on water and manipulate electricity and do shit with stuff, superpowers, and see what that does to those those that war lust that's brewing underneath the, the country.
2: War can only exist if there's inequality and and you know, one group has some and one group doesn't have another. So if you if you can level the playing field by giving everyone power exactly. there's mm. No need for... Mutually
1: assured destruction. Yeah. Alright, uh, next point. So, where is the Swan storyline going? He asks Augustus to lend his name. However, this storyline seems to have disappeared. Do you think that this will be revealed later, or has this storyline been cut because the number of episodes have been cut? I wouldn't mind if it goes away. As of right now, it doesn't move the storyline forward.
0: Um. I mean, I think... I don't think it's been dropped or will be dropped. I think it's gonna. It, it's difficult because you think that this is kind of like leading us to a point where Augustus is maybe gonna um kind of s- stick up for himself. Something will go down, and it'll be the first time he really like sticks up for himself because he's like, "What the f have you done? You know, you, you've used my name for this thing, and uh, that's no good." And they'll have a falling out, and he'll become like more of an independent man. And uh but now he's kind of already done that in episode six you know he's shown himself using his powers and he's helped he's played this real pivotal role especially after like standing up to penance and like going on the opposite team um so yeah i I mean i I still think he's going to play this kind of opens up my broader question of um do we think when we return everything's going to be full-on go 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 or do we think it's going to return to a somewhat normality kind of like, lull in, in the action. Like, it, cause they're gonna all have to, like, go back and kind of reassess their situation and think about everything that's going on. And that will give time for these kind of normal world things, like everything that's going on with Masson and, you know, with, um, with Swan and whatever that are still kind of living their relatively normal lives because they are not touched. Give those storylines time to play out while the touched are kind of figuring out their next plan of action. Because um, I feel like that's probably where it's like, yeah, I think that's probably where it, what's going to happen to start with. So that we will we will retouch on this kind of storyline with with Swan and everything.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I did want to say one thing about that though, because I got a chance to talk to the like the VFX supervisor of the Nevers.
2: <laughs> yes, you did. And
1: Johnny Han, the cool guy, and I asked him specifically about <laughs> Augustus. And I tried to like smuggle my ideas into his head because what I wanted, I wanted to tell him, I asked him, have you seen Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds? Uh, and I saw like on his face, like he was saying, yeah, I've seen it, but he was trying not to say it too loudly with his expressions. So mm-hmm. I feel like based on either something that already was the intention or that I subliminally like put it, put into the world, that we're going to see Augustus at some point be like, you know, you, you harness that bird power in a very Hitchcockian way. That could be interesting.
2: I, I actually have to deviate from my original notes in that uh, now that you guys, you guys got me thinking about some stuff already. And um, you're right, Laura, in particular about uh, Augustus. Augustus needs to become his own person. Like that, that's clear. And he's already started the process, as you said, by... Going on the offensive with true and breaking from breaking from penance in that that case, because he has to do what he feels is right. Swan, because his a secondary character, we're not going to get the whole story on that that yet. But Lavinia specifically states when her and, and Hugo are at lunch, or not Hugo, um, Augustus are at lunch. She says something about our good name. She she alludes to how important the name is now that swan has put hugo's name on his illicit sex club i think it's going to cause a break between lavinia and and augustus and he's going to have to continue that journey of becoming a more complete person and i do think because swan specifically talks about using the club for blackmail i think that that's going to come back to play too because look at the 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 touched and the the people in power aren't playing by the same rules so the touch are probably gonna do something they don't want to do, and that is basically blackmail people to to further their goals and make sure they don't get crushed by Mastin and and crew. Because they, by having Hugo in their corner with his name attached to this thing, and if he when he because he, he's he's gonna find out what's happened, so you know he'll be able, potentially be able to use that. So like I said, I think Hugo is gonna become a very very central character. Swan. I don't know. Um, I think he's... I still stand by my assertion that he's minor, and that's going to come back to play later. But I think this is all about setting up Hugo becoming a much, much bigger, more, much more powerful player.
1: You mean Augustus?
2: Augustus? God damn it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's all right. It's hot.
2: Anyway, so that's, that's my thoughts, and yeah, I kind of change them on the fly, because fly, you guys pointed out some very, very good things, and that's that's why it's kind of hard for me to do what I do with the, like, I can assess things in, in a vacuum, but when we get in these conversations, more things click.
0: Okay, so two things happened in the lab of Dr. Haig that were not addressed. Uh, one is that when the Galanthia glows, Lavinia suddenly gets a headache. Uh, I wonder what that means or foretells. Also, in the lab, when Amalia is running and needs to escape, Beth gets her powers back and raises the lift so that Amalia can escape. I wonder what that means. What do you guys think uh, both those things mean? So, Lavinia's headaches and then uh, Beth having her powers back, even though she's been messed with by the doctor.
2: Okay, Lavinia's a mystery to me, and it's actually kind of getting frustrating because I, unlike everyone else, they're really metering out her her clues. It feels like she's playing both sides, but to what end it? We didn't see her get a spore, but I feel like there might be something there. I, I, I don't know. I, I, she's a complete mystery to me. And even on repeated rewatches, I haven't made a form any, there's not enough information for me to even guess as to what her, what is she, what's she doing? Why is she doing it?
1: Well, Tyler, a long time ago, mentioned that her name is from a Shakespeare play. Um, Do you remember which one that was Coriolanus? Is that the one? Yeah, it's Coriolanus. I've since read Coriolanus. So um, the character of Lavinia in that play is uh, heavily traumatized, um, like very heavily traumatized to the extent where, you know, she's assaulted and her tongue is cut off and her arms are cut off so she can't tell anybody or write down who assaulted her and all these crazy things. So I think obviously she's coming as a character from a place of trauma, and she's in a wheelchair for a reason, mm-hmm. and I think that she's not going to survive.
2: We've intentionally not been shown how Lavinia end up in a wheelchair because we know she wasn't always in a wheelchair because she mm-hmm. used to go skating with, with Swan and Augustus. And I feel like that, that, that very important piece of information is going to be a huge piece to the Lavinia puzzle yeah. when and if they reveal it.
0: Um, yeah, I think like you, Lavinia is still kind of a mystery and, uh, I'm still on the fence of whether she's kind of good or bad or what's going on. I don't know. I have the feeling that she doesn't know. She's just mm-hmm. looking for answers and, uh, and what they're for and, you know, whether she's going to get them. She's not sure, but I feel like. I'd like to think that no matter what happened, if it came down to um, like finding out that Augie's touched and his life would be on the line, I feel like she would step out straight away. Like if whatever she's doing and experimenting on
2: mm-hmm. meant
0: that he was going to be in trouble. Because it's like she's got this facade that she cares about the touch, mm-hmm. blah, 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 whatever it's for. But like mm-hmm. when it's him, it'll be different because whether she doesn't agree with him being friends with like Hugo and stuff now is like completely different to that. He, she, he's all that she has like family wise, right?
2: Well, this is the contradiction that Lavinia. is. So she has the orphanage where she's trying to protect the touch, but then she's also kidnapping touched and turning them into zombies. So yeah, exactly. Oh, I also think that Haig is the, the, uh, free life general. Mm. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that the free life general who wasn't dead at the end of episode six, that segment, is is Doctor Haig. But yeah, it's so his inability to to properly lo- lobotomize slash control them, or the spores just rewire your brain so you're not always lobotomized.
0: Hmm.
2: Which, in the sense that, if if nothing else, if it's if it is foreshadowing, it means that it gives. A lot of those characters that you know, nameless characters at this point, but it gives, a, gives us hope that they're not forever. Like, I mean, except for the ones that he, you know, took off their jaws and turned them into whatnot. <laughs> but you know what I genes. mean, like the like because you have the hench, you, so you have the henchmen, the ones who are like the the stormtroopers, and you have the workers. It's like there's two different classes of touch that have been lobotomized. So well, I guess it makes sense because class warfare is also a theme in the show.
0: Do you think that Beth is gonna? come back and be more of a, of a character. With given, the, that with we, the given
2: that we saw her twice in the first half of the season, I would say. So I think that's a pretty safe bet.
1: So the next point of the email, we see that Mr. Masson's daughter is touched by the spores. The Galanthi drops. We assumed from the headstone that she had died. But remember when the telephone man went into the basement and heard the growling, might that have really been Doctor Masson's
2: daughter? Once again, so It's kind of that whole like Lavinia thing. There's not really enough to because we we haven't, with the exception. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong. With the exception of a couple of touched, their physical form generally remains human, except for um, what's her name who grew tall. Uh, isn't there one who like glows blue? But in general, they just look and they, they're 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 nor- normal, passable, quote unquote. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's the beast, the beast from X Men. Right. He was a doctor, but after the mutation, mm-hmm. he got turned into a beast.
2: So yeah, it, 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 it's a pretty safe, safe bet that that's that's the case.
0: Yeah, I think. Um,
2: but, but why would she turn yeah, into I think that's kind a, of our view. We didn't see anything, so we'll just say monster as a general term. Because because I,
0: cause I be- but it makes perfect sense that if if that is what happened, that Masson is the kind of person that would hide mm-hmm. it
2: because i do feel like the 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 powers they gain are a reflection of their uh, desires isn't the right word but lucy L- lucy soaps. felt weak and then she became strong and um oh the um the one who turns things to glass what's her name harriet harriet that feels very breaking the glass ceiling cuz mm-hmm. she she mm-hmm. specifically alludes to you know being even being as a person of color even less than a white woman in England
0: mm-hmm. at
2: the time so I feel like their powers are, are reflective of who they are and their their wants and needs as people so the question is you know if that's the case then you know what is going on with this daughter it just it seems because okay um, and same thing the tall one I, why can't I remember any of their names
0: Primrose. I any mean, Primrose
2: I felt like Primrose wanted to be big you know, just like Tom Hanks, except so she, inter- she <laughs> didn't turn him into, an, into an adult. She got big.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's 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 kind of my thought on that. So it it's it there's a lot of questions there, but I think that it unless he, unless he's keeping a random beast or turned in his basement, who else could it be?
0: I was just gonna say, why do you think a young girl would become a beast? Like is it any reflection on her father's true character? And like that's the kind of person she would have grown up to become. Cuz he so. is like a monster, right? He's a he's a human real life monster.
2: There you see? There you go. That's You know
1: what I was just thinking right now? Uh I just figured it out. The whole so I have the answer. The the answer is that she's the minotaur. Okay. You know the story of the minotaur? King Minos, okay? he saw this beautiful bull that Poseidon just gave to him and Poseidon said, sacrifice this to me and you'll flourish as a king, as a leader of your country politically. But the bull was so beautiful that King Minos didn't slaughter it, but kept it and slaughtered an uglier bull. And what happened is his wife ended up having sex with that bull and produced the child, which was the minotaur. And the it's a bit of a weird story, but <laughs> I think mythologically, the, subconsciously what it's trying to say is that King Minos failed his he, he failed his rite of passage to be a leader because he was unwilling to sacrifice. He was unwilling to sacrifice that beautiful bull. And that was his failure. And what became of that failure was monstrous, was a labyrinth of just destruction and fear and terror. And I think that is a good metaphor for Masson, because he's a leader in his own right of his country. And the weird thing is that he was also a soldier. So, he would have had to have been faced with sacrifice at some point in his own life and did he face that or did he not face that? Did he run away from battle? Is he an effective leader? And what does that mean for his family and his daughter? I'm just like stretching a rubber band here, but I just thought I would throw that in.
2: I mean, but this is, this is the best part though. We, we discuss these theories based on the facts we have at hand and Mm -hmm. I would be, I would, I would I would be curious to actually see how often we're right versus how often we're wrong.
1: I mean, I wouldn't I doubt tell. it because the show is so well thought out. I think that a lot of the bullshit I'm saying is probably coming from a real place, especially like <laughs> with Myrtle being the Tower of Babel, just a confusion of language. Yep. In such a, it, there's so many beautiful illusions and metaphors in this show. It's so dense. That's what I like about it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. it's I, love um, it. I love it. It's great.
0: <laughs> we love it. So uh, next point is: uh, what does Lucy know about Masson? And what is her? Uh, why is the pin important? I guess the the what does Lucy know about mass and uh, question would shoot into a. She just ran off at the end, right? So, what information does she know, and that she's got off with, and will there be a possible return? Maybe I don't know.
2: Oh, Lucy's absolutely mm. coming back. There's no way that Lucy is not coming back. Um, as far as the pin. Um, Well, once again, I feel that's foreshadowing. But just because if you look at the, you only there's only two good shots of the Galanthi, and its its facial head structure is very elephant-like. So I think that was foreshadowing that. Plus, it gives us backstory into Lucy. Her mother was part of the Forty Elephants, you know, female gang, and so I mean, and and they've alluded to Lucy being a thief and thievery, and she I didn't steal it. This and that. So I think I, I think it's more about just kind of. Character backstory, character traits, and foreshadowing of... Because technically, I mean, with few exceptions, you know, the the touched her, touched her women, they're going to have to form a gang to fight for their rights and their lives, so...
1: All right, so why did Swan go to the hanging? He does not have a direct connection to Malady. Uh, these are just some of my questions and observations. Oh, that's it. And then she thanks us for an excellent analysis of the Nevers. And she says, you have made me think in a much deeper and more meaningful way. Sincerely, Stephanie. Thank you very much, Stephanie.
0: So why did Swan go to the hanging? I mean, just straight out of the box, I'm kind of like, well, you know, he is this rich, generally famous-ish person who's kind of supposed to show his face at important events like this. And this is at the time... An important event, like public hangings, and this is, like, uh, someone that's kind of been on the run for a while and they've been looking for. So, you know, this is a big event. For him not to show his face would be weirder than him to be there.
2: He said, I mean, you're you're probably right about that. I feel like from a story perspective, it was so he could bump his head. He hits his head, and I can't describe the look on his face, but I feel like that's that's a second half of the season. Payoff. Some something's gonna get jarred loose, and he's gonna be like, "Oh, what the fuck!" Or-
1: oh, <laughs> okay. I thought you meant metaphorically, like he needed to bump his head. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, no. Like, ad- when, when, he, when he
2: goes to escape, he smokes his head on that that steel platform they have, and I feel I feel like that's there's something there, but that's just that's just a guess based on everything we've seen in the first how how shots and cutaways are used in in the show.
0: Cool. Well, thank you, uh, Stephanie, for all of your points. We have discussed them, I th- think, fairly in depth. And, um, that kind of wraps us up for the, for the catch up discussion as we await the, the second half of the season. So I guess we'll take this opportunity to uh, remind everybody where you can find our podcast. Um so you can stream it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, YouTube, and pretty much anywhere else that you can find podcasts. Um for any Nevers related content, you can find us on the web at hbothenivers.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's HBO The Nevers and uh at the Nevers Podcast on Instagram and it's at the Nevers Podcast Without the A on Twitter. Uh, any comments or questions, again, you can email to the Podcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy The Nevis Podcast, please do leave us uh, a positive review. We will appreciate it a lot. So, yeah, thank you to uh Jason and to Chirag. And, yeah, I've enjoyed our discussion today, and I hope that everyone's enjoyed. I think we've kind of breached on a couple of new things that we may have not kind of picked up on before or discussed before, which is good that, like, even though we've, we've discussed this show pretty like
1: <laughs> thoroughly
0: pretty thoroughly, and we're still finding new things to talk about, lets us know just how great this show is. Um, would either of you like to take this opportunity to talk about everything else you, you do and any social media that you want people to look at? Chirag's like, no, I, no this is it. This is the only presence <laughs> I want. I don't want anybody else to anywhere. have any involvement in my <laughs> life.
1: <laughs> I'm untraceable. <laughs> wait
2: wait there's that one photo of your Instagram where you're uh, out in the snow and uh, it looks like shorts what's going on there
1: oh yeah 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 well you know I I enjoy the weather in Texas that's what that is (laughs) yes definitely 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 Texas (laughs) yeah yeah did you have a social you want to plug
2: Um, you can find me uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Jason's Model Shop because that's what I'm focusing on more these days um while I figure out filmmaking and writing what's going on with that and um my own podcast adventures in filmmaking will be returning later than this episode airs <laughs> oh and actually uh Laura was generous enough to 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 do our introduction for the first uh, first handful of episodes so when you when, oh, so do, when you yeah. listen so when you listen Laura Laura introduces us and tells us what the show is about
0: because um contrary to my belief that my voice is high-pitched and irritating Uh, apparently (laughs) jason thinks it's nice to listen to it's
2: not look at british people sound smart so you're you're adding legitimacy oh i see it's just because i'm
0: british (laughs) 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 you're making Uh, us more posh than we are (laughs) (laughs) well if you do enjoy listening to my voice then you can come and watch me uh stream on on twitch uh and that's the same as my instagram tag which is laurajp1721 um, and also on Twitch, I have been doing with Tyg, who joined me for the um, for the Firefly retrospective series. Uh, we've been just yeah discussing all sorts, of anime, recent movies, and whatever. Just and that's just on my on my Twitch channel. So it's like gaming and nerdy discussions. Yeah, Chirag definitely don't want people to find you.
1: Well, no. Well, you can find me streaming on Yahoo. Uh, my Kenobi thoughts uh, and. You can find you can find me you can find me you can find me on Twitter. I'm there sometimes at Mayan Mailman. It's a bad username, I know,
2: but I love, love that map <laughs> username. <laughs> and that's it. We will be back again eventually. Keep an eye on our social medias to know when that will be. Spoiler alert: It'll be whenever the Nevers returns. But we may publish another episode or two before then. I hope we do. There's, there's, there's so much more to say and i like i like chilling with you guys so. <laughs> that, that, that's my own spin on the the outtake so thanks for listening everyone and uh, tune in for more because we're awesome
0: <laughs> thank you everyone
1: This episode of The Nevers Podcast was written, produced, and edited by Matthew at Culture Inject Studios. The intro and outro music was produced by Gilirme Morais. We are more than just a podcast. We're a fan community. You can keep up to date on The Nevers and chat with other fans by visiting hbothenevers.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search HBO The Nevers, all one word, and click that follow button. The Nevers Podcast is not endorsed by Mutant Enemy, Warner Media Entertainment, or any of its subsidiaries, including Home Box Office, HBO, and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. The Nevers, and all names,
0: pictures, and audio clips, are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective copyright holders.